Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to, yes, yet another coronavirus episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, you can hear me on Fox Sports Radio. And you know the drill on reading me somewhere soon, hopefully. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. And the reason I always say it's primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA is because of episodes like this one where we are going to talk about the NBA and uh, some things going on in the league right now. But one of the themes of this episode is more universal when it comes to sports as opposed to NBA specific. But before I get to that, I do want to follow up with For those of you who listened to the last podcast, I, and you can hear it in my voice, have been feeling well for about a week or so and decided to go get tested for the Rona, COVID-19. And uh, I got the results back and I am negative. So the good news is I don't have the Rona. Bad news is I still have some kind of a flu that has been lingering And I'm just hoping that I don't hack up a lung before the end of this podcast. If I do, I'll make sure that I delete it so you don't have to listen to the gory details of that. By the way, speaking of the Rona and scheduling an appointment, I mentioned the difficulty in doing that, uh, just how many different places I had to check and none of it's organized and I had to wait several days in order to simply get tested Although when I went, it was a drive-through and I had a specific appointment and I was early and I kind of got the feeling if I had shown up like six hours earlier, they still would have let me through. Just seemed to be a mess. And Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, uh, had at least one idea that I think is would be very vital. Now, I know if you are like me, you probably already have several email addresses and you're thinking, I don't really need another one. But Mark Cuban was suggesting that each one of us have a federal email. 
And I think that that's brilliant because for things like a pandemic or any sort of national news that everybody needs information about, it could be sent out to that particular email address. I think that's a really smart idea. I don't know that we are uh, well run enough to get that done. And I really think that what this is exposed uh, is that we're not the well-run country we think we are, nor that we espouse ourselves to be, or that we have all the virtues that we've come to believe that we do. And we need to stop believing our own fairy tale. I don't know if we were ever as good as we like to think we are, but we sure, surely are not now. Our country wouldn't be divided the way it is if we were. And the first step to finding a solution to all that is admitting that one is needed. Well, I'm not getting political here. Just my experience with this and thinking about how many people it's affected and how much time we're wasting on things that do not serve the common good uh, just brought all this to the fore. So first topic I want to get to, we're going to get to Steph Curry in this uh, podcast for sure. He's kind of tied into this, this first topic. But uh, again, the reason I'm saying that this is not just NBA-centric, that this is sports-centric, is because this topic was triggered by a tweet that I saw. And it was a photo of a player from the University of Cincinnati, Cincinnati football team standing by himself on the edge of the end zone watching something that was happening on the field. Now, caught my eye immediately because I'm from Cincinnati. Uh, I, I don't know if that game was played. I don't think it was played at Nippert Stadium. That's UC's uh, football stadium. But I, as a, growing up as a kid and teenager, used to go and play on Nippert Stadium, played soccer on Nippert Stadium all the time. We'd go we'd just sneak in on the campus. It was fairly easy to get into. And I remember during the winter, a buddy of mine a couple of times would go down and actually shoveled uh, two squares of snow uh, off of the uh, off the turf and had like a snowbank in between and played uh, soccer tennis. Uh, who, who knows why or what, but um, that was one of my memories. And another one was simply they had uh, parking uh, parking lot lights that lit the field well enough for us to play at night. We go go down there and play pickup soccer at night. My experience, my memories of of UC and growing up there. Anyway, the UC tweet about the player, the football team, caught my attention, and the player in question is holding his helmet, so he's clearly not playing. And the caption explains that. He's watching the Peach Bowl presentation to the Georgia Bulldogs, who had just defeated the Bearcats. And he's there by himself and apparently watched the entire ceremony. And because of this, uh, the person posting this tweet said, that player is going to be the most dangerous player on the Bearcat squad because he is obviously taking the loss personally. Now, the person tweeting it meant it as a compliment and encouragement for the player. Uh, a 
young man named Justin Harris. I don't know much about the guy who tweeted it, and I don't know much about Justin Harris. I certainly have nothing against either one. The tweet was well-intentioned, and for all I know, Justin Harris is a great player and will be an even better player next year. But what struck me is that this is what has happened to us as sports fans, as sports media, uh, or maybe simply as entertainment consumers in general. And that's that we so want to jump directly from the prologue to the conclusion. We take a small act and then we create an entire result from it. It's, it's the equivalent of picking up a well-made two-by-four and then declaring this, this two-by-four is going to be the start of a fantastic mansion, the greatest mansion ever. Now, I have a certain mea culpa here because I spent a good part of my career working for ESPN the magazine. It was actually fulfilled a dream of mine to become a, a sports writer for a magazine. I thought it was going to be Sports Illustrated. ESPN the magazine came along first. I did have an internship with Sports Illustrated. That's kind of what fired my imagination in that direction. But nonetheless, the, uh, the theme or the motto of ESPN the magazine was next. We weren't looking to cover what was happening. We were looking to tell you what was going to happen. Now, we didn't go crazy, but we were always looking around the corner. Um, you know, I remember one story I wrote about the Oklahoma City Thunder. This was with the first season that they moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City. And they were really bad. Uh, I can't remember what their what their record was, but they they were 500 in March, April, and that was well better, much better than what they were the first part of the season. But I went and I saw what they had. I saw the young West, young Russ Westbrook. I saw the Kevin Durant. I saw what they were building, and. I thought they were going to be a playoff team the next year, which seemed outrageous to say at that point. But I wrote a story imagining them celebrating making the playoffs the next spring. And indeed, that's how it turned out. But I tell you all that simply because that was the philosophy of the magazine. And this tweet that I saw about Justin Harris seemed to be that on steroids. Because here's the reality. Justin Harris standing and watching Georgia's celebration doesn't mean in and of itself anything. If Harris were to go on and have a great year next year, and he said that watching Georgia celebrate was the thing he thought about every practice, every snap, every rep, every morning he didn't want to get up to work out, then it would have meaning. 
if it became the thing that inspired him to do the work between now and next season, then it would have meaning. But that's not what's going on here. And again, the tweet and Justin Harris aren't alone in this. And Justin Harris really doesn't have anything to do with this. He just happened to be the guy in the, in the photo. But what we've become conditioned to doing is we ascribe a virtue that hasn't been earned. Let me give you the flip, flip side of this. Because there was another tweet that I saw, another photo of another athlete on the field. And it was Chase Young, the standout defensive end for the Washington football team after they unexpectedly clinched a playoff spot in this year's NFL playoffs. And Chase Young went back out onto the field and was crouched down in the middle of the field to soak in what had just transpired. Now that photo spoke volumes and spoke a truth and had meaning because it was an accomplishment and it was a reflection of an accomplishment and a reflection of how that accomplishment had impacted Chase Young. This is different. And while I haven't done an official study on this, my suspicion is that this is why it seems like the rise and fall of athletes happens so quickly and why they are so polarizing. One, because thanks to social media, just about anybody now can throw a narrative out there. It used to be that it was just what we call the mainstream media. It was beat writers and columnists. I mean, that was the heart of telling sports stories. And those were generally guys, women, who, not so many women, mostly men, who had spent years earning that spot and covering a particular team or a particular sport. And so they knew the history and they didn't throw out comparisons carelessly because their reputations were on the line and because it was difficult to rise to their spot. They were expected to be on point with their comparisons. They were expected not to herald a star before their time. But as our media has sped up and the faster we've received news and consumed it and spit it out, the more we've had to create stories. And there are more people creating those stories people who haven't had to distinguish their level of knowledge or expertise. And I don't say any of this with condescension because I'm, I'm part of it. I can't tell you how many times I've been on a show or written a story even where I thought, are we really talking about this? Am I really writing about this? And I've tried to find a way in every case where I can 
alleviate my guilt or find some redeeming value or spin it in a way that I feel like, okay, this is justifiable to spend time talking about it. But the fact of the matter is, I understand how the game is played and I've accepted playing it. Tried to juice it as much as I can, but the reality is it is what it is and I've been part of it. So I'm not looking down on it. It just is... I guess I'm just trying to understand and explain to myself as much as to you why we have this constant back and forth and we debate things that uh, in, in a previous day and age would never rise to the level of being debatable. And it's also because, as anybody, again, who listens to the podcast knows, I have this fascination with LeBron James and why he's so polarizing and why he's so successful in some ways and yet seems so uh, out of his depth in other ways. And I believe that this is a big part of it, is that LeBron, I don't know that he was at the beginning of it, but he's probably the greatest example of the Justin Harris tweet where he came out of high school and he was the chosen one. He was the king coming out of high school. He was already labeled an all-time great NBA player before he ever stepped on a court. And so what we did is we took what he did as a high school. I think Zion Williamson is another example. We take what we see at one level and then we project it forward. And we've just become obscene in, in the projections, in how wild they can be. And for a good part of, I don't think it's an era of sports fans or an age of sports fans. I don't think it's just old school sports fans. I think it's a mentality of certain people in the country where they just believe you should earn what you get. And there's another faction that likes projecting, likes the thinking of potential. It's not to say that either one is more right or more wrong, but that inherently creates disagreement. And for LeBron, I believe ultimately that's that's what he's been dealing with his entire career, is that Jordan retired from the Wizards, LeBron was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he was supposed to be the next Jordan. He was somehow, it was already, well, he was there with Magic and Larry, and it's just a matter of time before he's the next Jordan. That was the narrative from day one of his NBA career. And so a healthy number of fans, media, human beings looked at it and said, wait, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What, how, why, how are we giving this? How are we, first of all, disparaging what Michael Jordan has accomplished and all that goes into winning six championships and six tries and doing everything that he did, vaulting all the work that he did, all the 
pain and suffering that he had to go through to become arguably, arguably the greatest player in the game. We're just going to hand that to LeBron. And never mind all of the players in between, the Tracy McGrady's and the Kobe Bryant's and the Vince Carter's and, I, I mean, go down, Carl Malone, Tim Duncan. We were putting LeBron in front of all of them before he had done anything. So for those who took exception to that, there was a natural reluctance in measuring anything that he did. It always felt like somebody had to hold the reins, pulling back. Hold on. Don't give it to him yet. Don't give it to him yet. In fact, probably in some people's minds, a resistance to ever give it to him because of the impudence of giving it to him so soon, so early. And I can't help but feel that, and you can look at it two ways. There are two ways to look at it. One is that by putting that burden on him from the very beginning, it made everything heavier. It made everything harder. You can look at it that way. And then the other way is, well, all he had to do was fulfill his destiny. People were already believing he was that. So there was a whole host of people out there looking to inflate everything that he did and interpret it as fulfilling the prophecy that he was the next Jordan. Even though such comparisons, as we know, are riddled with issues. He's not Michael Jordan. He may be a great in his own right, but he's nothing like Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant, far, far. I mean, we know this. I don't even need to go back over this. This is well-traveled road for all of us. But that's what complicates things in sports now. And we're seeing it again, not just in the NBA. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I'm struck by this. Patrick Mahomes has exactly one Super Bowl. And yet, I have heard conversation about, is he or will he be the greatest quarterback ever? <laughs> and will he win five or six? Will he surpass Brady in Super Bowls? Simply because of what? Because one, he won one as early as he did? Sure. Because he has some extraordinary skills that, or he does certain things that are unorthodox, like the no-look pass that we haven't seen other quarterbacks do. Never mind that there was a time where if you tried something like that, you, <laughs> whether it worked or not, you might be dissuaded from ever doing it again. I mean, it's an element that has changed here. The celebrity of doing unorthodox, supremely athletic, but unorthodox things is a reflection of how the power of sports has shifted. Because there was a time when coaches ruled and you played the way they wanted you to play. So I guarantee you, there are a lot of athletes out there that could have been doing extraordinary things because it wasn't, but because it wasn't fundamentally sound, they were persuaded not to do it. Or if they did it, 
they were sitting on the bench. The subject with which we will conclude this episode, Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, is a perfect example. Before I dive into that, though, I want to very quickly mention the podcast sponsor, MizzenAndMain.com. That's M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. They've transformed menswear by taking the best attributes of performance fabrics, such as sweat wicking and machine washable and all of that, and they've utilized that material, which we love to wear when we're working out. Well, they've made that into men's dress shirts, uh, slacks. They've got joggers. They've now got some really sweet sweaters and some pullovers. Check them out. Uh, if you see me on TV, I'm invariably wearing either their blazer and I'm certainly wearing one of their shirts. Love it because now I don't have that weekly trip to the dry cleaners. They're machine washable. Hang them up. They're ready to go. They don't show any moisture if you're, especially during the summertime, if you're out, never like to have those unsightly sweat marks. And they fit in a snug way that I really appreciate. That's the style. It's the fashion. Um, you can look good. So check them out and let them know that Bucher and Friends sent you. And I'm sure that they will give you a discount on your purchases. Mizzen in Maine, M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. All right, back to our regularly scheduled programming and our conversation about Steph Curry, who I am comfortable saying is the greatest shooter in NBA history. He's certainly the greatest shooter that I've ever seen. I believe that Steve Nash held that title before Steph came along and has done what he's done. And it also influences me that Steve feels that Steph is now the greatest shooter in history. The reason that I say Steve Nash held that title is because of the 50-40-90 club. For those who aren't familiar, shooting 50% or better uh, overall, 40% or better from three-point range, and 90% or better from the free throw line. It has happened, I don't know what the count is now, the number of guys who've done it. It is more than, I would say, nine and less than a dozen, if I'm not mistaken. I know Malcolm Brogdon has joined the crew. Kevin Durant has joined the crew. Steph Curry is part of the club, although he has done it exactly one time. There's only two guys who have done it more than once in a season. Larry Bird has done it twice. Steve Nash has done it four times. In fact, if you look at his stats for his 18-year career, he damn near averages 50, 40, 90 for his entire career. I believe he's at 49% for his career overall, field goal percentage. That is remarkable. And it's because, much like Steph Curry, he developed the ability to score from anywhere and everywhere through a variety of ways. Not just shooting the three, not just finishing at the rim, but you name it. And I might even argue while Steve probably had Steph in size by a few pounds and maybe an inch or two, that 
Steph is the quicker, more athletic between the two. Nonetheless, what Steph does now, and probably one of the reasons why he's only done 50, 40, 90 once, is he's obviously shooting from much deeper range than, than Steve did, certainly on a regular basis. And there was a time where the shots that Steph takes and takes routinely now were discouraged, would not have been accepted, were a bad idea. And as I look at the number of players now who shoot from Steph's range, it begins to water down the accomplishment or the significance or the uniqueness of it, not the significance. The significance is that Steph introduced it to us, that he made it a, a part of the game, a unique part of the game. But I again, social media drives... Unfortunately, a lot of all our conversation and sometimes in reaction to something that somebody is saying that just seems out of bounds was suggesting that, and I think this was somebody of significance. It might've been Kendrick Perkins. I'm not sure who it was. It was, it was, it, maybe it was Isaiah Thomas. It was a player or a former player suggesting that Steph holds a special place, a very special place because he changed the game. And how many people can say, how many players can say they changed the game? And he's right. He deserves special recognition for that. But it also takes a special circumstance for that to happen. And I dare say that if the Warriors weren't the team that they were, couldn't defend the way they defended, didn't have a Draymond Green playing point forward, uh, and really played a different style of basketball, that Steph may not have been given the license to shoot from the distances that he does. And I believe if you go back and you watch Steve Kerr in those early, <laughs> certainly that first season in those early years, there were times where Steph took shots that Steve was not happy with, deep shots, that he was not happy with. And then Steph consistently made enough of them and the impact that they had on the game and the spacing on the floor convinced Steve to give him more license. And now we see everybody doing it. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
But here's the reality that if you had given that license to any number of players prior to Steph, they would have done the same thing. If Larry Bird had been given that license, if the thought was the game should or could be played that way and it had value, then you would have had somebody prior to Steph demonstrating that they could shoot from that range. Now, the beauty of Steph is he doesn't just shoot from that, from, from 30 feet, from the logo, from wherever. That's, that's not the sole signature of his game, as you might have seen against the Blazers the other night when he scored 62. He scored every way imaginable. And that's the beauty of Steph, because he didn't have all that. He developed all of that to go along with his range. He, at one time, and I covered him from the very beginning, he wasn't a great finisher, and he certainly did not have a mid-range game. All of that has evolved over the course of his career. This is the bookend to where we started this podcast about taking a photo of a player in a disappointing moment, absorbing another team's victory, and then forecasting that he's going to be great the next season because of it, creating this entire narrative in anticipation out of, I don't know, wishful thinking, is we now are in a place where Steph Curry appears to be on trial for his superstardom that was given to him, granted, as a result of winning three championships. Now he has to prove that he can still win with the group around him or somehow we're going to diminish his overall ability. It's a little bit like people looking at Jordan in the wizard years and suggesting that that somehow dims the overall accomplishment of his career. In the case of Curry, it's, well, maybe he wasn't all that great in those championship years, because after all, he was never the finals MVP. And I mean, look at all the talent that was around him then. And funny, he's, he's still got a lot of talent around him, doesn't he? I mean, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre and Draymond Green is back. And yeah, and then it gets a little thin. And again, this is not Steph's fault. This is the not understanding what made those teams great and what made Steph great on them and how they accomplished what they did, which was really a collective. I've said it and I will continue to say it, that Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph deserve to all become all-stars at the same time. Kevin Durant was an additive toward the end, and he bolstered what they accomplished. If you don't add Kevin Durant, and I know that Warriors fans are going to take exception to this, I'm not sure that that team wins another championship. It would have been a great run. It would have been a great... Maybe they get to a couple more finals, but Kevin Durant changed the arc of that team. It was getting old, and 
And you can see it. If you, again, if you watch them closely, if you watch them game to game, you saw the deterioration. Ultimately, look, it's why they were down 3-1 to the Oklahoma City Thunder and came back from that. And in spite of the 73-9, and ended up losing to the Cavs. It took a Kevin Durant to change that. You don't add this idea that if Kevin Durant doesn't come to the Warriors, that group was still capable of winning championships is just ignores the condition of that team when KD showed up and the greatness of a Kevin Durant. My point, quite simply, is this. That Clay, Draymond, and Steph were a perfect combination at the perfect time. They complement each other perfectly. Their skills did at that time. And they also shared a common motivation. None of them had done anything individually until they came together and won collectively. So Andrew Wiggins and his storyline, Kelly Oubre and his storyline, you might look at their individual talent or physical gifts and suggest that they have the requisite ability to be the wings around Steph and that he should be able to organize them. I hear the same things about Steve Kerr, that he's being exposed. It's such silliness. A half dozen games into a season, he's running the same sets with Oubre and Wiggins. He should know better than that. Yeah, those are the sets that define how the Warriors, not just how the Warriors play, but how the league plays right now with a few unique wrinkles that make the Warriors what they are. So, yes, trying to get those guys comfortable in those sets, knowing that you haven't seen them at their full ability without Draymond on the floor as the point forward, sure. And to think that he's not going to tweak them or he's not capable of seeing what works and what doesn't and isn't experiencing that, Maybe Wiggins and Oubre don't have the basketball acuity to play that system. To suggest that he's stubbornly going to stick to it or can't see that is, well, you don't know Steve Kerr. You don't know what's made him so successful over the years. Because guess what? They've had to change the way they play a number of times over all those runs to championships. Bringing KD in, they played a different way. So this idea that Steve isn't up to it or that Steph not being able to utilize Oubre and Wiggins in the same way that, <laughs> that he utilized Clay and Draymond somehow means he's not who we thought he was. The fact of the matter is he didn't utilize Draymond and Clay. Those two benefited Steph's game as much as Steph benefited theirs that was the secret sauce and that's what you're not going to find no matter what sets Steve Kerr runs with Kelly Oubre Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry hey I made it to the end of the podcast and I still have both of my lungs intact and inside my body so we're going to wrap it here don't forget please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review. We would appreciate it. 
We did reach the 200 mark. Thank you for all of those who contributed to make that happen. Much appreciated. In the next podcast, I hope to have a guest or at least be able to explain after talking to people around the league about what has happened to Pascal Siakam or how we explain the emergence of Christian Wood. One of those two will be in the next podcast, I promise. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.